I got some cool updates going on. I've got lights everywhere. Over the past previous two weeks, we have pulled our resources together financially here as a body to give some money to Courtney Smith. And Courtney was an individual who experienced a horrible tragedy. And um, man, I'm excited to say that us as Revolution, I'm told, we were able to give $1,500 to Courtney. So that give yourselves a hand, Revolution. That was pretty cool stuff. And I'm excited to, to hear, get an update from Courtney, see how she's doing. But that was pretty cool. Next week, I said last week that this would be the week that we would have this little piece of paper about the covenant. Um, this covenant is, this is for the individuals who want to call Revolution home and who want to join, join this core leadership group to kind of work alongside the leadership team. However, Jeremy Clark, who is in charge of that piece of paper for the covenant, got too involved in the University of Kentucky basketball game, which they won by luck. Um, but anyway, so that paper will be ready next week. So something to be praying about. If this is where you call home, if this is where you're, you're part of this body and you want to be a part of what God's doing here, um, be praying about this covenant and this core group idea to where we can kind of join hands together with the leadership team that's already here and kind of help push them and really spread the gospel here at Portsmouth. So if that's something that you're interested in, be praying about that. We'll have more information on paper specifically next week. Right, Jeremy? Next week. Next week. Is there a Kentucky game this week that you'll get distracted by? Oh, there is one. Okay. Well, maybe it won't be next week. We'll see, but be praying about that. Um, Eric, where you at? Come on up, Eric. Everyone give a hand for Eric Kimsey. Come on up. Eric Kimsey, ladies and gentlemen. He kind of put together. Now, you had a, you had a pretty, pretty eventful Christmas morning, I assume. You, and I served some pancakes, some eggs, some um, non-Penn Station food, which is okay. It's breakfast, I understand. Give us a quick update of how that pancake breakfast went. It uh, went really well. Um, there were about six of us working that morning. Um, we made a lot of pancakes, and we got rid of all of our bacon, so that's exciting. I may have eaten a quarter of it, but um, we we probably saw about 30, uh, 25, 30 people, and, and we got to have some good conversations with uh, several of them. Um, it was just a really good time. So we appreciate your guys' support and helping us put, to get, put that together and uh, get the materials together for that. So thank you. Good deal. And guys, again, thank you for those who gave to that, whether it be the pancake mixture or the eggs or the bacon, whatever it was. But um, some other good news. We have with us Mr. Matt Rawlings is in the building, and I'm excited to have him back. Mr. Matt Rawlings over there. Everyone give Matt a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to learn to hear from him. We're going to talk to him here in just a second. But what we're going to do now is you're going to take 30 seconds and get up and see someone that you don't know. And here's the question. Which would be the most awkward gift for you to receive? Would it be the pink bunny suit from the Christmas story? Or maybe the entire like Twilight series that you had to watch all in succession with that one person that you didn't want to watch it with? You know, so just something like that. So get up. Someone you don't know will turn some music on. So you got to be moving in your seats now. Find someone you don't know. Introduce yourself. Most awkward Christmas present you could receive. The pink bunny suit that you had to wear or the entire Twilight series that you had to watch over again. So we'll turn some music on. And why don't we do that here for 30 seconds while Matt comes on up. Don't question, and there's candy up here if you want some candy. Come on up.
Okay, if you're working your way back. You can sit if you want. You can sit if you want. You don't. <laughs> I won't, then I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. All right, for those of you who do, may not know, this is Matt Rawlings, and Matt has been a part of us with the leadership team from the beginning, since the dawn of revolution time. And, you know, Matt's kind of was the, was the spearhead of this movement that kind of started, what has it been now, four years, five? Almost five it. years. And so it has been a privilege for me to serve and learn under his tutelage and his leadership. And, you know, God's been doing a lot of things in his life that we'll get to know there. But first, Matt, um, would you... Would you honestly, if, if your aunt would have given you a pink bunny suit, would you put it on and wear it? Yeah, of course. I have one at home. <laughs> What's the problem? Okay. Anyway, I don't know <laughs> what to say to that. That's pretty awkward. Um, but, okay, cool. So, Matt, tell us, you're wearing this spectacular jersey. You have yes. an epitome or yes. epitome or a, th- a thing for rock and roll, whatever, you know. So, L.A. Kiss, they bought a team. Yeah. Are they really the all-time best band, or what is the best all-time rock band of all time? Because no. I'm homeschooled. I need cultured and rockified, and just help me out here. Culture me in, in the you music. You grew up of with, like, Benny Goodman and Michael W. Smith and... Lamb Chop. Lamb Shane Chop. Lose, right. Sandy Patty. Right. Um, Carmen. S- Carmen. Yep. Okay. Stephen Curtis Chapman. Stephen Curtis Chapman. Let me keep going. Right. Um... Kiss is not the greatest band. They're the coolest band, and there's a difference. They can barely play their instruments, but they blow a lot of stuff up. So they're the coolest band ever. Now, those are the guys with the makeup. Yes, those are the guys with Learning. the makeup. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Matt, it's, you've obviously been going through some change in your life, um, and there's some things that we don't, unfortunately, may not see as much as we would like to see, but kind of just... if. Whatever you're willing to say, get into. I'm excited to learn from you tonight, but kind of just give us a brief picture of, of where you're at. I am in, hopefully, in the home stretch. Um, I've had four surgeries in the last 18 months. I've spent the last six months basically just lying on my stomach, um, waiting to heal up. Uh, last October, they did the last surgery to fix the last couple surgeries that didn't work, and they took a, like a nine centimeter by five centimeter chunk out of my back and I had to wait for that to heal up and now it's about down to like this. So I'm down to like this, like a centimeter and a half. Um, and so if that heals up, um, I've got one more little minor surgery to go and then I'm done and hopefully 100% be back. So that's, well, we'll definitely be praying for that and that continued yeah. healing. That's good that there's progress there. Yeah. Matt, how can we as Revolution be praying for you in, in your journey, um, in whether it be your work, just give us something that we can focus on praying for you specifically with us. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and I'm going to talk about some of that stuff tonight um, and, and talk about what's happened going on in the last six months as part of the sermon. But just be praying that, one, I, I do finally heal up because I've been that close before and everything went wrong. So I'm hoping that this time it finally heals up and um, I can get back to work and doing whatever God calls me to do. Well, let's do that for you right now, and then we'll let you kind of expound and and bring us the word. I'm really excited. And um, So guys, why don't you bow with me as we we pray for Matt. God, thank you. Thank you for Matt and just the privilege and the honor it's been to continue to have him a part of things here. And um, He's touched so many of us here um, personally, spiritually, emotionally, and, and just 
we praise you that you've been able to use him and you continue to use him as a tool. God, we pray for his physical healing and his, his body has been through a lot. And we just ask that you are the healer here and that you will continually um, continue the progress that you've been doing. And it's exciting to hear that has been going um, with his body. But we just ask that you continually and the healing will be complete so that you will uh, be able to continue to use him the best way you see fit. And um, Lord, I'm just excited to have him here tonight. Lord, we love you, and we just give our minds and hearts to you as um, you speak through Matt now. And in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Josh. Whoops. First day with new legs. Sorry. Um, how you doing, Revolution? Okay. Now, for those of you who've been around long enough, you know what's going to happen now. That's lame, so we're going to do it again. How you doing, Revolution? There we go. It well. It's been a while. It is good to be here. This is the first time I've actually been in this new spot. It feels a little like open mic night at the Chipotle, but um, that's all right. That's cool. Um, So I'll speak, and then we'll get the burritos out, I guess. Um, So here's what's going to happen. Tonight, I want to talk. I want to go to the Gospel of Matthew. So if you've got one of the blue Bibles there, or you want to flip through, you want to go to Matthew 25, Um, 14 through 30 is what we're going to look at and what we're going to talk about, and that's going to guide us, kind of lead into the discussion of where I've been. Um, Ryan and I have been talking, where revolution is going, all that kind of stuff. Um, When when Ryan asked me if I would come back, we talked about it. He asked if I would come back and and preach at least one more sermon, um, especially when, you know, after kind of college had cleared out and it was more of the kind of core group um, and kind of just explain, you know, what's been going on. And so I, I agreed to do that. And so we'll talk a little more about that in a minute. But 25, 14 through 30, let's look at that. Now, you all know how much we at Revolution have really hit Matthew 25, 31 through 46, um, how it talks about final judgment, that Jesus is talking about final judgment. Indeed, all of Matthew 25 is talking about final judgment, that Jesus has returned, he is judging the nations. And so you've got that part where 25, 31 through 46, where Jesus is saying that if you do not care for the least among you, if you do not care for you know the poor among you, that you cannot call yourself a Christian, you are not one of mine. But that's not the only thing he says in regards to final judgment judgment. He has some more to say in 25, 14 through 30 leading into that. Let's take a look. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip The servants who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. 
The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know you are a harsh man. Now he's saying this to Jesus. You're a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gathered crops, I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they have given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And of course, he's talking about hell. Now, if you grew up reading that, you probably read about Jesus and the talents. And it's very easy to read that in English in an English Bible and come to believe that what Jesus is saying is that the talents you are given as an individual are the ones that God expects you to use in life. So if he gives you a great voice or great musical ability, you're to go and use your musical ability or he will take it away. That if you have been given, you know, the, the other abilities, whether it's, you know, you're good with science, math, whatever, that if you don't use those, those will be taken away. But that is not what he is saying. What he is saying is, he's talking about what the kingdom is like. So it's all about what is done for the kingdom. So, in one sense, yes, he's saying that we are given different abilities. But he's talking about how you use those abilities for the kingdom and the kingdom agenda. And the kingdom agenda is what? First and foremost, that the gospel is preached. That you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples all over the earth. These are Jesus' parting words to his disciples before he leaves. He says, what you are to do is you are to take my message and you are to go to the very ends of the earth. And he tells them that, by the way, before that he tells them, many of you will die doing this and you will go and you will preach this message and you will make disciples in my name everywhere. That is your job. So what Jesus is saying right before he gets and starts talking about that only people who care for the poor, who love the the poor, are people who are his disciples. He is saying only those people who use what they have been given to make disciples are his. Now, I want to talk a little bit about my own journey here. You know, most of you know that I grew up in this church, surrounded by very good people who loved me. But for various reasons, I rejected the faith, and I spent 10 years as an atheist. I came back to the faith when I was not quite 25 years old, because I'd been diagnosed with cancer, and I was afraid for my life. And so I begged a God I did not know for my life back. And then... When I got it back, when the surgeon told me that the surgery was a success and that I was going to live, 
I took that as a sign because I really didn't know what I was supposed to do at that point. And I ended up going to seminary. And then after a while working in churches, I worked in churches for the last 15 years, when I began to really get to know the gospel and learn more about the Bible, I became more and more angry, angry at the church. Because it appeared to me that no matter where I was, and I've worked in churches in Texas and New York and West Virginia and here, that it seemed like there was always this mindset that Christianity was primarily about us and our own comfort and about our own feeling secure that we're not going to hell and that the preacher needs to tell us, needs to every week pat us on the head and say, you're in. You've got the fire insurance. You're good. And by the way, also, here's how to raise your kids. Here's how to get along with your coworkers. Here's how to do this. So it was, you know, I wrote this the other day on my blog. Church looked to me like it was one part kind of concert one part kind of country club and one part kind of motivational speaking seminar. And, and not only did I find that boring because I never got the motivational speaking thing, you know, the guys with more, like, more teeth than anything you've ever seen that are on like, in the middle of the night on those infomercials, those guys never appealed to me. And I got angry because I was like, you know, I committed myself, one of the few good things I've done, I'm as messed up as anyone, jacked up as anyone, but one of the few things I ever committed to, to do was to read the Bible once a year, every year, from Genesis to Revelation. I've done that since 1997. And what I had noticed reading through the Bible was that it was not about us. The Christian faith has almost nothing to do with our comfort has almost nothing to do with us feeling safe and secure, has almost nothing really practically to say about how to raise kids, get along with your coworkers, all this other kind of stuff. It was all about Jesus Christ. And so I got angry. I got angry at every church I was at, including this one. And I finally got to the point where I said, man, there has got to be more than this. And so I left. And we started revolution. And the whole point of starting revolution was, okay, we're going to go after people that no one else wants because we had no desire really to pick people away from, from existing churches if for no other reason than the selfish reason than we didn't want to hear, it's too cold in here. The music's too loud. This, you know, where's your, you know, where's the marriage counseling? Where's, you know, the, the nursery's creepy. You know, we didn't want to hear that. All that was true, but we didn't want to hear that. You know, we wanted people basically that had nothing to do with church, had no background in church, and just start afresh. And we wanted to preach the gospel, and we wanted to challenge people that here's what the gospel is, that you are a sinful rebellious being who deserves to go to hell for each and every sin you have ever committed and that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for every sin you have ever committed who lived a perfect life to grant you that life to be judged by that life instead of your own and that if you come to faith you have a new life you have no penalty to be paid there's no punishment 
You have eternal life all because of faith in Jesus Christ. And in response to that, in response to that love, people would share the gospel and care for the poor. And that's what we wanted. Did not happen. Largely did not happen. Cared for the poor. We've done that a lot. I'm very proud of the guys in the East End especially. Anybody who's ever done any work in the East End, I am so incredibly proud of all of them. That is not an easy gig. We are called to do that in response to the gospel. It's not a way to earn anything. It's a way to say thank you. It's a way to say I love you to God. I am so proud of those guys. But generally speaking, as a church, we were not sharing the gospel with people. And so about a year or two ago, I began to kind of intentionally challenge people. And I began to ask them questions. Are you sharing the gospel? Well, you know... Are, are, are you praying about sharing the gospel with somebody? Well, you know, it's like, okay, l- let's just cut to the chase. Why aren't you sharing the gospel? And so the, over and over again, what I heard was maybe a lot of excuses, but I took you at your word, and one of them was, I don't know how to respond to objections. That when people come to me and they're saying, oh, what about, you know, Genesis 1 and 2? That can't be literal. Um, What about, you know, this? What about that? And all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, the earth, you know, my science professor tells me the earth is is 4 billion years old. And and the folks at the Creation Museum say that it's 6,000 years old. You people are crazy. You don't like science. You don't know. I don't know how to respond to that. And I'm like, okay. So after digesting that for like a year, I was like, I went to Ryan, you know, and Justin. I was like, what we need to do is we need to train our people in apologetics. We need to do this apologetic thing. And Ryan was against it at first. He thought, man, it's just, let's train them, but let's not preach it. It sounds boring. Let's just, you know. And so we kind of went back and forth on that. And then, so, but I, I committed to that because I said, look, I was desperate. And Ryan and I talked about this last week. I was so desperate to basically rob all of us of any excuse we would have. I wanted to rob everyone of every so that when I looked at them and I said, are you spreading the gospel? Are you sharing the gospel with people? Are you no, why? The only thing they could tell me was don't want to. Don't feel comfortable. Don't want to feel like a freak. Don't want to, okay, I can deal with that. I can deal with honesty. I, I, can't, I can't deal with dishonesty. I can't deal with fantasy. You okay? And so I've been there, man. Um, and so I, I made that push, and it still didn't work. Largely, largely, attendance started to fall off. People didn't like it. And I got really discouraged. On top of the health problems I was having, where it was just like, Lord, what are you doing, you know? On top of all the health problems I was having, it was, and, and, and my, it was just like, we started this movement for God's glory to bring people to Jesus Christ. We've challenged people one-on-one. We've preached the gospel every week. We've done this. And it's not happening. And so I'm looking at God like, what, what's the problem here? I got really depressed. Really depressed. So that when Ryan started to push back, and Ryan and I kind of went round and round, we've done that before, that's fine. That's no big deal. We're still very good friends, and I love him to death. We've argued like you know, cats and dogs about everything. 
for example, he loves Tim McGraw. We've, we've literally had screaming matches about that. That's just wrong. Um, I'm sorry. So we started to argue about the whole apologetics thing. I was so depressed. I was so down. I was like, I was sitting there just finally going, Lord, I've done everything I know what to do. I've done every single thing I can think of. And I didn't know what else to do. And so I said, I'm out. I'm done. People didn't want to do the apologetics series anymore. And I was like, well, then I've, I got nothing left to say. I don't know what else to do. I don't know how else to get people to do what the Bible says they're to do if they're really Christians. Because what I'm reading there, what I read to you, and this is, this is my job. This is, you know, this is what I will be judged by one day. You know, people who preach and teach, they don't just get one judgment, they get another. You know, Kimsey, Dowdy, Rick, Justin, all of us will stand one day before God and we'll have to give an account for every single word we have delivered from the pulpit. In other words, we're, we have, we'll have to defend it. I didn't know what else to say. So I said, I'm out. I'm done because I don't know what else to do. And I'm telling you that my job is that what the Bible says in Matthew 25 is that if you're not sharing the gospel, that's what he means by the talent thing, and you're not caring for the poor, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. You say, how can you say that? Because Jesus said it. And Jesus gets to define who a Christian is. You don't. On judgment day, you don't get to stand up and argue with him. That's not going to happen. You either share his gospel and make disciples and you care for the poor, or you don't. And I'm not talking about earning your way to heaven. What the Bible basically teaches is that if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you'll want to do that. You'll want to share the gospel. You'll want to care for the poor. That's just a natural byproduct of, 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 of having the Spirit of God within you. When I was studying for this, there's a commentary by a Baptist scholar named Craig Keener. And he wrote about this section I just read. He said, the lazy servant does nothing with his resources because he does not care about the master's agenda. And if you do not care about the master's agenda, can you really call yourself a servant of the master? Now, we've done some really cool things at Revolution. I love what we've done at the East End. I also love the fact that our people know the gospel. It is, it is shocking to me. When I was in my first church in Texas, when I was in New York, when I was in West Virginia, you would ask people to define the gospel, and they couldn't do it. People who had been in church for 20, 30 years could not clearly tell you what the gospel of Jesus Christ was about. That's just weird, isn't it? I mean, you go see a movie once, you can probably tell somebody what it's about. How can you spend decades in a church listening to preaching and teaching and, and be like, so what's it all about? Um, Jesus. Jesus what? Yeah. 
And that's like the level of answers that I got in a lot of places. I was like, wow. But our people know the gospel, so there's no excuse there. Maybe you can blame us. Maybe, you know, on Judgment Day, you can <laughs> you complain to God, you know, that you know, Ryan and Justin left here. I mean, some, maybe some people who never knew the gospel are going to be better off on Judgment Day than, than us who have pounded it into your head because now you have no excuse. And we've trained people. We have people in this church who read through a 1,200-page systematic theology. That's amazing. Sad, but amazing. I'm very proud of that, but then what do you do with that knowledge? If you don't use it for God's glory, what, what's the point? If it's just to make you feel good, if it's just to build up your own knowledge, what good is it? This weekend, um, well, almost every weekend for the past six months, all I do is lay around and watch TV because I can't do anything but lay around and watch TV. And I was watching yesterday, they had like a marathon thing on VH1. I think VH1 only has marathon things. They just have a different marathon every day. And this, on Saturday, they had the, like the best of Saturday Night Live in the 90s. Now, SNL has had a bit of a resurgence lately, but for a long time, it really sucked really bad. But in the 90s, it was awesome. I mean, the worst part of the 90s for SNL was like Adam Sandler and David Spade and, and, and Rob Schneider and Chris Farley. And then it just got better when they brought like Will Ferrell and those guys on, right? I mean, it was awesome in the 1990s. And they talked a lot about Chris Farley. Now, if you don't know who Chris Farley is, shame on you. It's called Google. Look it up. Chris Farley was one of the most genius comedians I've ever seen. In fact, um, Steve Hamilton and I went to see Adam Sandler in concert, 96, Steve, 95, 96, somewhere around there. And so we were, we were in Columbus. We went to see Sandler in concert. Halfway through the concert, Chris Farley literally crashes through the back of the stage and goes rolling across the stage, screaming and yelling. Nobody knew he'd be there. And he goes running through the aisles. And I mean, it's just, oh, he's just absolutely a madman. His pants are halfway down. His shirt's ripped. You know, he's got gut just going everywhere, flopping around, no shame whatsoever. And he's just, you know, all for a laugh. Chris Farley would do anything for a laugh, Right? I mean, if you have never seen the dance-off between him and Patrick Swayze, <laughs> is that not one of the most amazing things ever, right? Because he would do anything for a laugh. It didn't matter. He didn't care that he was overweight. He didn't care, you know. You know, David Spade said he would do the fat man in a little coat joke every day. And they would always laugh. Here's a guy who would do absolutely anything to get you to laugh for a few seconds. Absolutely willing to make a fool of himself. And yet people who claim God died for them are not willing to, say, to share that with someone else. Isn't that sad? Shouldn't we at least be able to like be more willing to make fools of ourselves than a than a comic like Chris Farley is willing to make a fool for himself just to get you to laugh? 
So I basically said, I'm done. Because I, I got nothing else. I'm spent. I got nothing else to tell you but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've got nothing to tell you other than if you don't want to share it and want to love people, you don't possess the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, when I was angry at the church, I'm not angry at the church anymore. I'm really not. I, I've passed that. You know, Rick Hark really helped me with that. I'm not angry with the church. I'm just sad. To me, it's just sad to see something so beautiful hoarded by so few. To see so many who claim to be saved by a God who was absolutely humiliated on their behalf, not willing to be even humiliated that much by somebody telling you to shut up, I don't want to hear that. And that's all it's going to be. You really think you're going to get a beat down? You think somebody's going to take away your birthday or jack up your credit score? They're just going to say shut up. That's it. I get told shut up all the time. I'm married. You get used to it, man. So I don't know what else to do. This may be the last time I'm here because I just don't know what else to do. I just don't know what else to do. You know, and it would be one thing if I went to people and I was like, are you sharing the gospel? People, yeah, they slam the door in my face. Yeah. They tell me I'm number one and not with the right finger. They, 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 you know, they, they, you know, they call me names. They, it's, we're sharing the gospel, but nobody's buying it. Okay, that's not up to you. That's up to the Holy Spirit. That's fine. But when it's like, well, and for some reason, all of you, no matter where you're from or your age, you all have that same tone of voice when I ask you, well, I don't know what else to do. I would just ask you just one more time. One more time. Think about, look upon the cross of Jesus Christ. See what he did for you. Know that he was God in the flesh and he was stripped naked, beaten, put upon a cross that had been used time and time again, that he would have defecated and urinated all over himself in full front of all the people that he created before the beginning of time to save them. And that even while being beaten, he's begging and praying to his father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And that if you can't see that, and if that doesn't break your heart, and if that doesn't make you just want to share that good news and to care for others, to love others who are worse off than we are, I got nothing else for you. I can joke all day long. I got a lot of them. We can talk about, I can sit here and play movie clips. I can invite great musicians up here, and they're all great musicians to play great music. 
And if you're not sharing the gospel and loving the least among us, it's worthless. It's a waste of time. Let's just stop and go watch football. That's all I got, man. I got nothing else. I love you guys. I really do. I know Justin loves you guys. I know Ryan loves you guys. I know Dowdy, Kimsey, Caleb, Stephen. They love you guys. All of us at one time or another have cried for you guys. We've had our hearts broken about you guys. Prayed for you in the middle of the night. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Though if you do, that's fine. If it, whatever works. But, I am a lawyer. But, I got, I got nothing else. It doesn't matter. There are no tricks here. You can't keep waiting for, for one of us to say that magic phrase that's going to flip some kind of switch or something. It's the gospel and that's all we got. I just want you to share the gospel and I want you to love people. That's it. Nothing else. No matter what happens, whether I ever preach here again, whether my work gets its way and makes me move, which they really want me to move. I just want that. No matter where we end up, no matter what happens, if you just share the gospel of Jesus Christ and love people, everything I've done, Ryan's done, Justin's done has been a success. And we can stand before the Father and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and so can you. But if you don't, you're not going to hear those words. And I don't like to tell that to you because I love you guys. And I don't want you to get torqued at me and I don't want you to feel guilty. I, because I do love you. But it's my job to tell you, if you don't do those things, the love of God is not in you. And if the love of God is not in you, you're not going to spend eternity with him. I wish I had something better to end on. Let's pray. Father God, your gospel is simple. Living it is hard. We are people who like to be liked. We are people who want to fit in, who want to be comfortable who want to do what we want to do when we want to do them, and I am the chief of sinners there. But your word says that if we're not loving others, if we're not sharing your gospel, we're not yours. And I want every person here to be yours. Ryan, Justin, Dowdy, Kimsey, Corey, all of us, we, we all of us want everyone sitting around us to be yours. And we want to know that if we live long enough that we share each other's final moments, hopefully in many, many years, that we can stand and know that they are with you for all of eternity because they heard the gospel, they shared the gospel, they loved others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Revolution, you know what comes now. Let's stand up. Now that we're all depressed. You guys love me now, right? <laughs> and we're going to worship. Now, here's what I want you to remember. If you're one of those people sitting there in a chair going, yeah, I haven't shared the gospel. I haven't loved people. Pastor Matt just told me I'm going to hell. Um, remember this. The cool thing is, as long as you're taking a breath, as long as the trumpet has not sounded and the king has not returned, there is time. There is always time. We serve a king of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, on and on and on. And tonight as you worship, you can recommit yourself or commit yourself the first time to truly love God by sharing his good news and loving others. Let's do it.